And to that uh, piece of shit lieutenant that's always uh, on his podcast, uh, bashing us, fuck him. <laughs>
shy to say it is, you know, I think that whole you, I think that whole thing should be disbanded to begin with, because it really is a self-serving position. Most of these guys do it for overtime and they do it for the tour and they do it to get weekends off or and, and make their own hours. And they're heavily rewarded writing summonses. And I believe that they write the wrong people summonses. I don't believe, I really truly don't believe that. I, I do agree that summonses are a part of police work, but I don't think that writing a, a, an elderly woman who went three miles over the speed limit of speeding summons is actually saving anybody's life. I couldn't agree more. In, in my opinion, summonses were a valuable tool. For instance, I was an anti-crime sergeant. I was a very active cop. And I was a special operations lieutenant. So my forte was going after legal firearms, trying to stop robberies. So we did carry summonses because we would utilize it as a pretext to to use use it to get a bigger fish. So what I mean is sometimes we knew we had a we knew we had a local drug dealer that was really pushing the drugs in the neighborhood, but they were smart enough to put their finger not to put their finger on it. So they were in charge and they were leading these young kids, actually had them selling, but they didn't touch themselves. So if I saw them illegally parked or they actually committed a traffic infraction, that was someone we may write a parking summons to or a moving summons. Why? Because we could eventually use that we would deal with major case and we would deal with the squad or we would deal with the feds and they could use that for a conspiracy case or they could use that to pin down where someone is spending most of their time and help them coordinate when, when they use things like a six, you know, on the job, other technologies that we have to really drill down where people are, where, you know, where they are, or maybe there was a shooting or some type of pattern and we could pin down where they were at the time. So, I would use it for that tool, but I think the power of discretion, and you and I talked about this offline, if someone goes through a stop sign, a woman, and she's racing to get her kids, that's the power of discretion. If there's a guy that goes through a stop sign every day, the same stop sign, he just legitimately doesn't care, this person is a nuisance who could kill someone. That's where the summons would be appropriate. And I do think in this officer's position, this officer's a traffic cop, was a traffic cop, he was removed from it. I do think that the summonses they write and the people they target tend not to be the bad people. I always used to say I could drive by these guys with my shirt off, blasting rap music, blowing weed smoke at them, and they're not going to pull me over. They're not going to pull me over. But if my wife comes down the block with the two kids screaming in the car and God forbid she's doing five miles over the speed limit or maybe she lifts her phone for one second, boom, she's getting slammed with a, with a ticket. You know, and, and she's going to be targeted because that's an easy target. Again, I, I'm not saying that it's all traffic cops, but I'm going to say it's the overwhelming majority of them. And and just the attitude of the lawsuit, the way the lawsuit's written in itself and the way it's being reported on really doesn't sit right with me of the attitude of the officer. I, I, I think, you know, I don't even think the courtesy card really needs to come into play when you're courteous. You know, I want to piggyback off what you said. I, re I really do agree that these guys, not not everyone, right? Obviously, not every single traffic cop, but the majority that I have seen in my career, and obviously you're saying the same thing, the majority I've seen, they're not team players. They're not people that play well with others. I mean, here we are in the New York City Police Department. You have 20,000 cops, so you really have an option to work with all different types of personalities. So there's someone you can find that you want to work with. 
So to take the choice to actually want to work alone. Now, there are some people, well, it works for them because the time that they have or maybe their wife is working a job and somehow it's conducive to their their schedule. But in most cases, I would think that most men and women would want to work with someone, even not even just a safety factor, but just to have someone to talk to, have someone to actually spend your day with. So to want to work alone, uh, it is. I am skeptical of that. So what I have noticed is most of these people that do serve in these units that are self-serving. I don't think they're out for public safety. I think they're out for themselves. So exactly what we said, they're going to write the people that give them the least amount of resistance, the ones that are most vulnerable to actually get the summons. That's where I find it problematic. You should be writing a summons that has an impact on the quality of life of the people that live there or has an impact on potential violent crime. That's my opinion. What do you think? Again, they're, they're conducting traffic stops all day long, right? You're conducting traffic stops all day long. How is it that you're never coming up with drugs? How is it that you're never coming up with guns? How is it that you're never running into a guy with a warrant? Very easy. You're targeting people that you know are not going to give you a problem. You're, you're seeing cars that are a mess, fake plates. You're seeing those cars out there and you're not stopping them. When I did anti-crime, when I was in field intelligence, the, your career, you knew those cars. When you seen those cars, you're like, bam, that's the car. That car more than likely has a gun in it. That car more than likely has drugs in it. That car's up to something, right? And you have a million violations on it, but yet we see the same thing. Speeders, cell phone, no seatbelt, right? And no warrants, no arrest history, no, no recidivists. How's it possible? I would see the same thing. I would see some of these traffic cops. And I know I know people that have done traffic. But listen, for the guys that are out there actually go after legitimate perps, God bless you. But we're not talking about you right now. We're talking about the cops that are out there to, for self-preservation and for their own careers. And they're not there for public safety. And John and I both, and the cops that are out there listening to this, they witness those cops that are out there. And they stopped a woman with children in the car and writing her a summons. Stop. Who, who has is not impeding on anyone's life. The only life that you're impeding on is that woman who's already having a hectic day with her kids. And now her day has got even more hectic with the summons. That's where I find extremely problematic. That's why I, I, I agree. We could take out the PBA cards and the courtesy cards out of the equation here. Because in my opinion, what we've witnessed is that the traffic cops steep the most, the majority of the stops that they, they conduct are the people that are courteous that they can let go and give discretion without even producing a courtesy card. So I find it very questionable. What type of stops is Matthew Bianchi actually conducting? Who or what type of motorist and what type of cars is he targeting to get a summons? I, I read in there something about quotas. So it sounds like to me he's just trying to fit a quota. You should be trying to fit a problem how to address the problem in your area. What's the crime trend? What's the issue in your area? Is the problem burglaries? Is it robberies? You should be looking for cars that are bent in the back. The weight is down. Maybe they're carrying firearms or the car is dinged up. Maybe there's Grand Larcy Auto. We're having a huge problem in this city right now with Grand Larcy Autos and stealing Calico Burners. What is he doing about that? Uninsured, unregistered. All, all these things that are, are being, you know, it's like this, you know, like they're driving and, and, they're, and, and like you, you only see what you want to see, you know, it's, 
I, I have, I, I have a big problem with it. I do. And, 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 you know, what do you, what do you think about courtesy cards? Cause here's my thing. I've locked up so many people with courtesy cards. I have, right. I have, I worked in Staten Island. A lot, everybody knows somebody. I, I don't think if something was that egregious, I ever really gave a shit if they had a courtesy card. I never really did, to be honest with you. To be perfectly honest, there's plenty of interactions I had with idiots um, that I wouldn't have wrote a summons to anyway that I let go. I, I mean, one notably incident in particular I could remember is one kid I pulled over driving like an idiot. I tossed him. He had nothing on him, but he just kept showing me his, his, his father's uh, CEA card. His father was a captain. And I took the card and I threw it in the woods. They had nothing. They had nothing. They had nothing on them. So I was like, go in the when they were done. I was like, go in the woods, go get your card. So he left, and uh, you know, I my delegate called me after. He's like, what happened? I was like, nothing happened. I was like, the kid was the kid was an idiot. The kid was an idiot. And he's like, now I got to go there with egg on my face, Mo. Why you got to do that for? And I was like, the kid was an idiot. I let him walk in the woods. He deserved to walk in the woods. But I wouldn't have wrote that kid a summons anyway. It didn't stop me from searching the car. If he would have had something in the car, he would have went to jail. I mean, I'm sure it would have affected my career because his father was a captain and a lot of people didn't like me because of stuff like that. But, I mean, that's – if it was so egregious where you needed to write a summons, then why didn't you write a summons? I'll say this. I think it, what I've noticed in my career, the majority of PBA cards or courtesy cards or LBA, whatever, for our – for our viewers out there that are not cops or if they're cops in other agencies, and we have viewers right now from all over the world. So what these courtesy cards are, it's an actual – it almost looks like a business card. It's laminated. Some are have logos of the unions or some have logos of, of representing military members. Some say family member. And it's basically what it is. It's almost like a voucher. It's a cop giving it to a family member or a friend saying, hey, listen, I'm vouching that this is a good person. They're still going to produce all their paperwork. They're going to be extremely respectful. And if you can provide them courtesy, then provide it to them. So in my opinion, what I've seen most of my career, most of the cops, and I'm going to say the majority, because I have seen people in possession of PBA cards that I was shocked. Like, wow, a cop actually gave you this card on the way they acted. But most of the cards that are distributed are to good people. Because the cops are concerned that, hey, this person I'm giving it to is a reflection of me. And if this person's ever in trouble and that card is going to be in their pocket, it's not a good look for me. So in my opinion, that's the observation I made in most cases. Yeah, again, like I said, I don't I don't believe that if you're a courteous person, you need a, cur a courtesy card. If you're going to write somebody for something that's borderline, but you're not going to write someone because they showed you a card. I mean... And you're, you're not doing police work as it is. We already have, we're already on two different planes of reality. Like if, if you're going to write the person, why? To get your number. That's what, that's what it is. I have a quota fulfill. I'm writing this person to get my number. Not because this is, is bringing down, this is bringing up traffic safety. This is stopping debts. This is stopping accidents. This is, uh, is making schools, uh, schools safer at dismissal. No, you're doing that to get a number. It's self-serving. It's not, you know, I, I don't like you don't need you don't need a courtesy card. When if I if I pulled you over, you just needed to be courteous. You know, that was it. And, and you know, like I said, traffic infractions really weren't my thing. But I do believe that it's necessary. I do believe that that will 
bring down, you know, the, the amount of chaos that we see in New York City streets is because people aren't getting summons as they as they once did. There isn't a lot of a traffic enforcement as there once was. But to target people on minor infractions just because you could give them a summons. I mean, you could do the same thing with arrests. I could arrest, I could pull somebody, I could pull those people over and arrest them probably too for some minor infraction, but I, I wouldn't do that. So why would you do that with a summons? Well, clearly, listen, I don't know Matthew Bianchi, but based on the information I have and what I read in the paper and based on the fact that he's a traffic cop and, and this is the problematic issue and there's also an issue about race, which I, I, we, we could immediately debunk because he worked in the confines of the 123 precinct in Staten Island, which is predominantly Caucasian. Now, if he worked in the 120, the argument could be there because that is predominantly black and brown area. Uh, the one two one two one and the one two two is a mixed bag, but from my understanding, he did work at the one two three prison. So, just on that alone, the race issue is completely debunked, and it just doesn't even meet the parameters of, of having a, a debate or an argument about. It. But being an actual traffic cop, you're supposed to address issues. So, for our viewers out there, you're supposed to address, in most cases, an APL, which is an accident prone location. So, if you're a traffic cop. In the one, two, three, a one, two, three is a bedroom, is a bedroom community. What does it mean? It, it's not very transient. Most people that live there, uh, they reside there. It, it's a residential area. And the most people that are actually working work outside the one, two, three precinct. So the actual people that you are going to stop are going to be creatures of routine and habit. So if you sat at a particular location, an APL, an accident-prone location, every day for a week, you would probably find people that commit the same traffic infractions over and over. Those are the people that should be getting the summons. They just disregard the traffic violations, the traffic rules for their own gain because they don't care. Those are people. And I agree with you, John. I think that's a fantastic point that if you're writing people that, that are good people that don't need a courtesy card, what's the difference here with the courtesy card? I, 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 I have to agree on that. And when it comes to the courtesy cards, I always felt, you know what, if this is a family member, of course, uh, maybe I'll go the extra mile to make sure that uh, I get in touch with the police officer and let them know that your family member's okay. Would I write them a summons? No. If it's an arrest situation, it's something completely different. Would I write them a summons? No. But if they were completely disrespectful or their actions are egregious, I would call that cop and say, listen, you need to take this card from your family member. And this is the last straw. And and in most cases, the cops would never want them to carry it because it's an embarrassment to them. Yeah, but there, but in 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 this guy's defense, on the other end of it, I have locked up people with PBA cards. I have locked up cops' brothers, cops' sons, cop nephews. You know, high ranking, low ranking, and I have gotten shit for it. I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to pretend like that doesn't happen either. But I don't care because I wouldn't back off of it because it was something that was so egregious that it. It needed to happen anyway. So I'm not I'm not understanding his argument. If a summons needed to happen, then it needed to happen. But he does say that he writes Jeffrey Madry's friend. And, and right immediately after that, he was kicked out of the traffic unit and sent to Midnight's. Now, I I got a problem with that too. <laughs> I do, I'm not gonna lie. Well, if that actually did happen. Right. So this is this is his case. This is going to be his argument. So right now we'll wait and see. Honestly, I, I find it really skeptical and hard to believe.
Law enforcement professionals dedicate their lives to serving and protecting our community. But who's protecting their financial futures? That's where Laidlaw Blue comes in. Our wealth management platform is specifically designed for the law enforcement community. Laidlaw Blue is a division within Laidlaw Wealth Management run by retired New York City detective John McDermott. His status as a retired detective uniquely positions him to establish a deep connection between Laidlaw Blue and the law enforcement community. Our platform is easy to use and provides a range of financial services, including investment management, retirement planning, and insurance solutions. With Laidlaw Blue, you can secure your financial future and provide for your loved ones. Our team of experienced financial advisors understands the unique challenges and opportunities that law enforcement professionals face. We're here to help you navigate the complexities of financial planning and achieve your goals. Laidlaw Blue, secure your financial future today. Book a meeting using the QR code displayed or call us directly on 888-901-BLUE. That's 888-901-BLUE. Listen, it's, it's definitely questionable, dude. It's definitely questionable. But I like the, the whole argument. When, when, as soon as the, the race thing got thrown into it, it definitely comes into question as if it was it because of that? Was it because of CCRBs? Was it because of supervisors? I don't know why he was actually moved, but that's the claim he makes. If that's true, I do have a problem with that. If he wrote somebody, like what was that summons about? What, what did that stop entail? Tell us what the, 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 the details of that stop, you know. Um, but he also goes into the Daily News article where he says a trustee for the PBA, Alice Cerno, approaches him and says, Alice Cerno is a guy who I've had, um, you know, I, me, and, me and Eric both, both worked with him. And I know during the vaccine mandate in particular, I know from people that were in the room, he told them, take the shot or there's the door. It's the shot or the door. You know, so not representing his people during the mandate when they needed union representation. But this this kid says that Alicerno told him that if you, don't, if you don't do what the union wants you to do, we're not going to represent you. And, and that's not how it's not who who we, you have to comply with what Alicerno or Pat Lynch thinks is good. You're a union paying member. What do, what do you think about that? Well. Based on that information, what I would like to know is what are the provisions in the bylaws? Are there actual provisions in the bylaws that permit the PBA to drop someone or not represent their members at any point? Other than bullying tactics, which we know the PBA is is very good at. But are there provisions in the bylaws where the PBA can say, hey, you know what? Based on some information that we have, based on something the cops said or something they put on social media or some conduct they, they did that bars them from being represented. I'm not aware of that. I would love to see see the, the bylaws and actually know if he's actually allowed to do that. 100% they're not. I mean, because it's subjective. You know what I mean? It's it's completely subjective. It's like, well, I don't like the way you police. So if you if we don't like the way you police, we're not going to we're not going to represent you. You know, I, I had plenty of issues with the PBA when I was a cop. I one time in particular, kids are smoking weed in a car. I take them out. I'm tossing them. 
Guy comes out his window, starts yelling at me. Get off the block, you fucking pigs. This is a private block. This is in the same precinct, right? And I was like, so now I make a spectacle. I'm like, all right, put the lights on in the car. So we put the lights on in the unmarked. I can take them all out. I got them out. I tossed them. And the guy's just yapping his mouth the whole time. And I'm like, you know what? Now I got to give these kids all summonses. So I give them, I give them all C summonses for criminal possession marijuana. They have, they have a little, little small joint in the car, cost stinks like weed. Um, I would have probably just walked away if they, because I was, I was really looking for pills or guns or coke or, or something else. I really wasn't looking for the marijuana, wasn't looking to write a C summons, but I did because of that. Um, a sergeant comes out of, out of that, that house where I'm being called a fucking pig. And she goes, what's going on here with her sergeant shield? And I said, what's going on here? I said, you're, you're interfering in official investigation. Go back in your fucking house. Or I'm going to call a duty captain. Boom. She ran in the house. She's like, shut the fucking window. They shut the window. I give everybody in the car summonses. And I get approached by the 120 delegate saying, what the fuck am I doing writing his nephew? I'm like, your nephew's a scumbag. Whoever was in that house is a fucking scumbag. I said, and whoever that sergeant is, lucky I didn't get it fucking jammed up. I'm like, because the whole thing's bullshit. So I, so I kind of sympathize with him a little bit. But I'd like to circle back to one thing also. I want to play devil's advocate. All right. Now, John, you and I are pretty adamant and expressive about the weak leadership on weak leadership of the NYPD. However, we have pointed out some good things about Chief Madry. Ultimately, the majority of stuff that he does, we like him. He's a likable guy. He's good with the community. But I will say this. I said, you know, I do, I'm not, I don't completely believe this incident with Chief Madry's family member, but I just want to play devil's advocate. And I just want to say that I do think that there is a pattern around Chief Madry and, and the appearance of impropriety. And it started to see a, a potential pattern here, right? We had the in incident where he helped out the retired cop. You and I both agree we would have never made that arrest. But at the same token, he really shouldn't have gotten involved. And he did help out a retired cop, right? Uh, he has a history of doing these type of things. And so, and, and what I can say also, I do know this lieutenant that I worked with, and he went to the neighborhood safety, neighborhood safety training when it was brand new. It started for the, the NST teams. And for the cops or other people here that are watching for other agencies or people that are not cops, what that is is that's the quasi-uniform that was replacing the old anti-crime team, which wasn't plainclothes. So it's a uniform. It's a quasi-type uniform. It's a little funky. But they're doing plainclothes work in uniform. And so they actually had some neighborhood safety, uh, neighborhood safety team training, which I think was actually – actually inadequate it was it was stuff that cops that are doing that type of work should already know anyway this particular lieutenant went there and obviously i heard it from him and i heard it from other people to back up the story that he had a, a conversation with the instructors and they had a debate going back and forth about the training and ultimately that when it came to actually drawing up arrests that the, the responsibility was on the district attorney's office because they were not putting the collar store they were not drawing that up drawing them up but because he had a little tiff with the instructors and they were not in agreeing and he was asking questions that particular day. He was sent to Chief Madry at one police plaza and he was transferred that day because there was a conversation going on. So I just want to play devil's advocate and say there is some type of pattern here showing with people that uh, he's accompanied. So I'm not saying that this did happen, but the appearance it could be. Yeah. And, and like, and again, I'm not like, disregarding the courtesy cars either because you know i'm obviously this officer if he has a wife if he has a husband if he has a mother he has a brother whatever whatever it may be 
I mean, you want people to know who your family members are. I mean, I, I didn't give my, my, my cards out to a lot of my own family members because I didn't want to deal with, with the nonsense. You know, my, I, I always would joke. I was like, my, if you got my PBA card, it's like a, a Mickey Mantle because nobody has it. You know, it's, it's like a Mickey Mantle rookie. You know, I would always say that, but like, uh, unfortunately there are cops out there that their, 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 their family are perps and they're giving it to them, you know, and, I'm not honoring that. Like, I'm not, I'm sorry. You're dealing drugs. You're robbing people. You're doing burglaries. I really don't care. Your wife was talking on the phone. I mean, come on, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't write if it was somebody else's wife. It was a guy, a construction worker's wife. I wouldn't write an, an elderly couple. Like, you know, that, like those things. I don't, I, I don't, I don't think the PBA card even really comes into play or even matters more than you just know that who you're dealing with. You know, if God forbid a family member's in an accident, if God forbid, whatever, like, I really don't think that, like, I, I, it's just really for identification purposes more than, hey, this is, a, this is a car to operate with impunity, you know, and, and shame on if any of the higher ups are, are treating it as such. And I know for a fact there has been in time and especially unions, the same thing, like not just, not just the, the, the PBA, but, but all of them. You know, where they where they take it personal if their family members are perp. It's like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm in I'm in be, I'm in a catch twenty two. I'm in between a rock and a hard place. I'm supposed to do my job, but I should turn a blind eye because you know the kid. You know. Now I never worked in the one two three one two three precinct, but I have heard scuttlebutt. It's always been like an old running joke that every person you stop in the one two three is is related to a cop or a fireman, right? It's a blue collar neighborhood. It is known to have a lot of city workers. I would say right now, just without the data, my guess that the one, two, three precinct probably harbors the most city agency workers in the entire city, just based on the information I know. I mean, you work there. You could probably is that? Would you agree on that? It's 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 there and it's parts of Queens. It's the it's the oh. one, two, three, and there's parts of Queens. You know. Okay, right. so it's on it's on it's on parallel with being a high majority of of blue-collar workers that are tied to city agencies, right? Cops, firemen, sanitation workers. But I find it, you know, I find it should be problematic because even with that, the one, two, three is a large area. Uh, it's a, it, you know, it's, it's, it's densely populated much more now than it was 30 years ago. It's a densely populated area. Maybe not compared to the Bronx, everything's relative, but compared to most neighborhoods in the country, it's a densely populated area. And it's residential. There's a lot of people that live there. Some of these condominium areas, I mean, it's houses on top of houses. It's very crowded. There's a lot of people. And in that area, I'm sure there's still enough crime to go around, even with all these city easy works, to address the right motorists, to find the motorists that are actually impeding on their lives, quality of life, that people that live there. And even there's 20,000 cops, but around 35,000 total members. Even if everyone had 20 cars distributed apiece, I'm not exactly sure what that number would be. I would have to write it down, right? Let's let's just say, for instance, let's let's give a fictitious number. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, there's 500,000 cars distributed a year. In a city of 8.5 million people, it's still a small percentage. There has to be enough people out there that you address the problematic issues. And again, I like to say what you said. How are any stops are you never finding firearms or drugs? Because you're not looking, you're not doing intrusive police work. He's actually not probing these motorists. He's not actually looking at the car it was, it was stolen. It's get that summons, easy summons. I got my number, and then I could stop. So most of these guys that do this job, I think they're incompetent or lazy. And for those guys that actually do it right, God bless you, right? Like Sal Greco, 
he, 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 right? he was a summons guy. He was a DV guy. But he worked. He made a lot of calls. But most of these guys that are doing traffic, they're not that guy. They're not Sal Greco. They're incompetent and they're lazy. Yeah, there was a there was a summons guy in the one two three. He used to uh, lock up people for five elevens every day, right? Every day, never came up with guns, never came up to drugs. You know why? Because what he was doing was he was telling these people, he was telling these people, "I'm going to run your license. If you have anything on you, put it in your glove box. I'm not going to search it." And he would go back to the car and run them, and then he would call another sector over, and the sector would go there. No, once the other sector goes, this guy knows he's getting locked up. So he endangers them because he's too fucking lazy to vouch or something. And, and basically this is how this guy operated the whole time. It was it's completely self-serving, but he didn't run into an issue with the courtesy cards. Cause he would, he would just bounce around that. He would go after other people who were 5'11", meaning they had a suspended license. He would make sure you had a suspended license. He would write you a summons and arrest you. Right. So there's nothing you could do. I ran on blah, blah, blah. Yeah, a, a suspended license. So even if you had a courtesy card, it didn't matter. He was required to make the arrest. Um, this guy became a delegate. But then there was another guy, terrible delegate, should have never been a delegate. I think he was a horrible cop and he was self-serving, not a team player, all about himself. I will tell you stories about this guy for hours, but I won't do that. But there was another guy who every day, every day, he would he would get into into it with the PBA delegate. Every day he would get into it with the PBA delegate and the PBA delegate would be like, you wrote, I don't understand. It's the guy's wife. It's the guy's daughter. It's the guy's sister. Every day, every day. And, and he would always say the same thing. They didn't show me the card. They didn't show me the card. They didn't show me the card. I didn't know. They didn't show me the card. Every day. And I, you know, and I, pro, and I used to, and I, I, I had a good relationship with everybody. I, what, whether we argue or not, we always laugh at the end of it, right? So one day I, it happens in front of me. And I say to the I say to the delegate, I'm like, you know, I don't know, you're always breaking this guy's balls. I was like, there is a lot of cards here. A lot of people are assholes with these cards. He's like, John, how many people a day you, you stop and search that car? I'm like, I don't know, 10, 20, depends the night. He goes, exactly. And once in a blue moon, I get a call about you. Every day I get a call that this guy's writing over people's cards, writing over people's cards. He's like, he's writing the wrong people. It's not, it's not even that he's, and he said, it's not even that he's just writing overall. The people he's writing and for what he's writing, he's doing it to everybody. He's like, the, guy, the guy's not doing the right thing. He's, not, he's, he's making it bad. He's making our jobs harder. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> you know, I'm not a big fan of the quota bill, but this is where the quota bill is actually a good thing. So for the cops out there who have never actually read the quarter bill, you should. It's actual case law. So if you look up your legal bureau bulletins, it's in there. You could actually read it. For our viewers out there who aren't cops, it's actual case law. The quarter bill was a lawsuit against actual quotas. But what the quarter bill says. So if you're working and you have a quota, that's an expectation, right? If they say you're, you're a traffic guy, you got to go out and write 10 summonses a day, that's a quota. But I have a problem with that because – when it comes to these self-preserving and these self-serving, lazy, incompetent traffic cops, they're just trying to get that number. And if they can get it within the first hour, then the rest of the day they can just relax and chill, and it's an easy day. But we just issue 10 summonses to people that don't deserve it that have no impact on the community. But what the quota bill says, and if we actually had good leadership that were actually leading the men and women and explain to them who they should target and why, because these people 
could cause an accident because they may be part of a robbery pattern. They may be part of a shooting. They may be part of a drug ring, a drug gang. That's the people we should be targeting on the quota bill. What the quota bill says is that cops are expected to do self-initiated, self-driven work based on the command's needs, the needs of that command and what it requires. So what the needs are in the one, two, three may be different from the needs in the four O. Right? Police is not a one-size-fits-all, so you have to know your community. So if you work in the one, two, three, and you have a burglary problem, you sh your stops should somehow attribute to the burglary problem. If you work in the 4-0 and you're having a shooting problem, your stops should somehow, somehow contribute to declining the amount of shootings. That's my opinion. Traffic should be part of the intrusive police work, but it's not. It goes to these self-serving, incompetent, lazy cops. I don't know Matthew Bianchi, but if I was a betting man, I would bet he falls into that category. I do have to tell one story just about self-serving. Same traffic cop who was a PBA delegate. Uh, when Jen Liu and Rafael Ramos get assassinated, largely due to the rhetoric that we heard from our politicians, Bill de Blasio at the time. New York City Council, the State Assembly, the New York State Senate. It was just this whole anti-police narrative. They get assassinated in a horrible fashion, sitting in their car in Brooklyn, eating lunch. It was, you know, it, it was horrific, you know, uh, absolutely horrific. Um, PBA crossed the board in order in a different way to turn their backs on Bill de Blasio, on the city of New York, say, don't write summonses. They didn't say don't make arrests. They said stop. And they, they, they didn't say don't write a summons when it's necessary. They said don't write summonses, meaning don't go out there and, and fulfill these quotas. Don't go out there and generate revenue because this city doesn't care about us. So why are we doing that? And, and, and I wholeheartedly supported that decision. But this guy, this guy was a traffic cop. He was also the PBA delegate. And he should have never been. And I'm going to tell you why he should have never been. Because at that time, when everybody <laughs> was not writing, and I was a sergeant at the time, right? So if anyone should be pushing numbers, as I've been, oh, you were a boss, you put, I never, I never arrest 100%. You had zero arrest. You were getting called over the scene. I was going to say, here you go. This is your collar. Interview, interview everybody. This collar better get drawn up. 100%. Summonses, not the guy. Never did it. I'm not a summons cop. I got in trouble plenty of times as a sergeant for my guys not coming out with summonses. But I said we weren't the traffic cops. This guy, this guy, nobody's writing. The CEO of the command at the time goes up to him. And I know this for a fact, goes up to him at the time and says, listen, I just need you to jump in the SP10 car. You and the other traffic guy jump in the SP10 car. The traffic guys work alone. So they have two of them operating like in, uh, you know, different tours, like offset tours or whatever. But they operate alone. They're driving around writing summonses. And uh, but he says the, the CEO, the commanding officer at the time says, I need you both to jump in the car and, and, and be in the SP 10 car. And the SP 10 car is you're handling jobs in the past. You're handling like a 1011, a burglary alarm. They're not complicated jobs. They're not jobs that require a lot of paperwork. Some of them may, but they're not they're not like heavy jobs. They're not jobs where you're going to have to run on the radio, all this stuff. It's pretty much an easy day. You're going to go out. You're going to write a couple of reports. He goes, I just need you to do that. You know what this guy says? PBA delegate. You know what he says? Now nah, I'll go out and write my summonses. The entirety <laughs> of his union, 
Now, this guy's a delegate. The entirety of his union is standing in solidarity, saying the entirety of the job, the bosses, the sergeants, the lieutenants, the captains, the inspectors, the chiefs. This never happens. It's the last time it's happened. It's the only time that I've remembered that we stood in solidarity for even it was a short time and it was too short, in my opinion. It should still be going on today. But but that's a that's another that's a, a, a podcast for another day. It was too short, but it was two weeks. This guy couldn't even do it for two weeks. He wouldn't even jump in a car. He was like, no, nope, I'm going to go out and write summonses. And he did. <laughs> you know, it doesn't surprise me. Again, this is what we're talking about. A majority of the traffic cops, they work by themselves because they're self-serving assholes. I mean, here, I agree with you. This was the only time in the job there was a short period of time of solidarity because, unfortunately, cops have a short-term memory, and they forget, and they go back to old habits and old ways. And, unfortunately, old habits are, are good. They're, they're good intentions. Cops have good hearts. They really do. They go out there, and they do the job knowing that they could get shot and killed, knowing that they could get CCRBs, knowing that the, the media is after them, the public's after them. But this is the problem that we have. Yes, we have all these issues with the media outlook, the critique of the public, the politicians, but we eat ourselves from within. Morale is so bad because we don't take care of each other. So just as you learn growing up, how can anybody like you if you don't like yourself? So how can anyone respect the police department if we can't get any respect for one another within the job internally? It's embarrassing. It really is. And these traffic cops that are listening out there, if you're one of these guys, you need to change your mind now. Stop making this about you. It should be a pu public safety. I guarantee if John and I were back on the job and we went in a car out there with you, we would find guns and we would find drugs and we would find the motorists that deserve it. It takes work and you have to be willing to put your ass on the line. But when you sign that dotted line and you decide to become a cop, you were willing to do that. But instead, you're writing cops' wives' summonses and their grandmothers and grandparents, and you're writing just good people in the neighborhood that don't require a summons. There's enough bad people out there. I just tell my cops all the time. There's enough bad people out there that you can let the good people go. You need the good people on your side to support you because, God forbid, you're out there. You're the traffic cop. You're by yourself. If you are actually doing your job the right way and you're getting your ass kicked by the bad guy, those are the good people that have come out and they're going to help you. Remember that. Yeah, I mean, the lawsuit that I that I would see, that I, I think I would stand behind is if he was like, hey, listen, they gave me a quota, 10 summonses a day, and I haven't been able to fulfill it, right? He's not saying that. He's saying, <laughs> I want to write over the courtesy cards. <laughs> There's too many of them. <laughs> like, I, like and, and the union's coming after me for it. Which I again I think is wrong, and 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 uh, again I I think there's a lot of there's a lot of bad things at play here, and overall when I look at it as a whole, it just shows the the absolute lack of leadership and the absolute debacle that the NYPD is. That even 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 when it goes down to the traffic guys, I, I honestly think the unit should be pulled. We have, you know, the attorney general in New York saying that car stops are racist, that people honestly, I, I don't even know why anyone's out there writing, writing summonses unless it's completely necessary. The guy slammed, you know, the guy almost killed someone. He was driving like a maniac. Minor stuff. Why? For what? What do we even have a traffic unit for? Like, what is it for? It's, it's for revenue share. It's for revenue generating at this point. I mean, I. I 
the, the whole argument of the lawsuit is just, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't, it doesn't sit well with me, but either does what he says, because I know that those things happen to him as well. I would want to see his, his evaluations. I would want to talk to his peers. I would want to know all that other stuff, but I do believe those other two things happen. You know, I do. You know, it's a shame. We're also, we are really losing the camaraderie of the job. We're losing that tough grit that this job was built on, the, the culture of it, it's gone. I mean, just think how soft the police department has come. If you did this 20 years ago, John, when you and I first got on the job, when we were young on the job, and we worked with, with the old timers, and it, it was different. It was a lot tougher. If you pulled some shit like this cop, believe me, your locker would be upside down. Your car would probably be sprayed. You probably, your car would be toilet papered. You would get abused. You would have no respect. So we really got soft right now that this guy is actually in this position right now and no one's actually turned this locker upside down. You know, I'm not saying it's something that should be done, but we really lost that grit on the job where where we really police each other. And it, it's absolutely ridiculous. It sounds like to me that this just incompetent cop. I agree with you. This, is, this unit is completely unnecessary. I do agree with the other spectrum that, hey, if there's accident-prone locations and people are getting killed and there's a spot, if there's some guy who blows that red light every day, he just completely disregards it because he doesn't care, well, you know what? He's a nuisance to someone's life. He should get a summons. But that's not who's getting the summons. I guarantee you, if we were to look at this guy's record, probably in the first hour, he probably gets all his summonses. And the rest of the day is probably unaccounted for. I don't know if for a fact, but I would put my money on it that that's what his day looks like. Is that's what his day looks like? Well, that that's the majority of days. That's exactly what you just spelled out. The majority of day for a traffic cop, right? First hour, they bang out all their summonses. They go hang out, do whatever the hell they're going to do the rest of the day. Maybe they go look for an arrest at the end of the tour so that they'll incur overtime. That is exactly the play. That is exactly what. If you look at the majority of these guys, that will be the pattern. 100%. I don't agree with the locker flipping or any of that because, you know, I, again, I, I worked there. I worked with a lot of older guys. Some of them were shit cops. Some of them did things on jobs where I wasn't okay with, and I went ahead and I did the job the way it was, it was supposed to be. And I got into it with them and, you know, but I stood on my own too. I didn't run to the Sergeant. I didn't go drop a lawsuit. I didn't call IAB. I said, we get out well, as soon as we get out. Let me know where you want to go. Let's go. You know, and 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 I, I had a lot of shit from other young guys that were like, oh, you need to take heed to these guys. I'm like, these guys are pieces of garbage. I'm like, I don't want my career to be like this. You know, so I, I don't I don't agree with the whole bully mentality either, because we that that whole thing of that everyone else is doing it. I never I never agreed with it because there were there, there were people that just don't do the job right. Now, maybe you got a guy, other guys that'll just write someone for nothing because they don't have a, a, a card. Right. And it's OK. And that's not OK. either. You know what I mean? It's like I so I, I, I really think like it, it's it's really it really just reflects on, on, on how bad the quotas are that they really never left. That law really did nothing. The quotas really never left. I think that ultimately that's what this comes down to. I just want to piggyback on what you're saying and reflect on. I don't agree in hazing either. When I was in the Marine Corps, you know, they said, listen, hazing should be illegal. But the point that I'm trying to make is that 
the fear of having your locker flipped up and down, the fear of having the guys against you, the men and women, would keep you from doing something like this. So I'm not saying I agree with the flipping of the locker, but we did lose that that camaraderie where the, we took care of each other because certain things need to stay in-house. And this is one of, the th one of those things that needs to stay in-house. And unfortunately, every, everything that goes on in the police department gets leaked to the public. It's like everyone takes a shit in this police department and everyone smells it. Now, that's not the way it should be. Certain, you know, honestly, certain things should get out. Yes, cases of sexual harassment, I understand this is a big deal. Certain cases, some of these cops that are getting caught on computers, touching kids, pornographic stuff, you know what? The hell with them. Get them off the job. I totally agree. That's something that's going to make the papers. But something like this, this should stay internal. This should be in-house. This should not be something that makes it to the paper. This should not be an opportunity for someone to make a lawsuit. This is absolutely ridiculous. I think this can be handled another way. The union could sit down with him. Uh, there has to be another way to handle this. Again, I agree with you. That's a great point that you're making. I think that quotas still live. It's, it's unfortunate. We'll probably never get, never get away from it because... It's unfortunate. There are lazy cops out there that need quotas because without quotas or productive measures, they'll never do anything. And let's be honest, 10% of the job does 90% of the work. A majority of the cops, I'm sorry if they're insulted, they're lazy. There's a lot of great cops out there. They're fantastic. And they go out there and they go out there and they put their lives on. They work hard. But there are some guys that are legitimately there to collect a paycheck or they're just there for self-preservation, they want a pension, and they want their day to be easy. But at the same token, you look at Eric Dim, most complained cop, I went out there busting my ass, and what do I have to pay for it? I have a 58 that you look at it, I look like a warmonger. And you look at some of these cops that are incompetent or lazy, and their record looks great. And the flip side is, some of these anti-rhetoric police movements, including the Jose LaSalle, his impression is those are good cops. So, Who's right here? You know what? It's right for them. But I believed in actually putting public safety first, even if that meant staining my record. Same thing with you, John. Uh, you just saw the red flag before I did, and, and you jumped on it, and, and God willing, you did. I mean, I, I don't even – I just think it's a mess, dude. I really do. I think the whole thing's a mess. I agree with, with you that, they, like, 90% of the job does absolutely nothing. Uh, it, it's It's pathetic. You know, I, I really and I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about back when you could actually be a cop, when being a police officer was supported. Ninety percent of them did nothing but put a uniform on. I mean, it, it literally pains me that I'm not collecting uh, uh, a, a pension right at this moment in time. I will. Uh, God willing, if I'm alive in 12 months. But, you know, um, I but, you know, it. It, it pains me to think that some of these people even got paid and got pensions for what they did because they really did nothing. They, they went and they wasted gas. They put a uniform on, they wasted gas. I do believe in assigning arrests. I think that is, is a great tool. I, I honestly think that seeing guys go two years without having an arrest and they're on patrol every day, that's, again, that's a failure in leadership. Shouldn't be. You know, that's not a quota. That's, hey, you know what? This guy's not going to process all the arrests. There's there's a hundred and something other using this command. Everybody's gonna everybody's gonna share in the work that we have to do. You know, it just is what it is. And I do believe in rewarding the people that do work. And right now, the way that the NYPD is, we don't reward the workers. 
We step on their throat. We destroy their career. We, we hold them up from promotion. We, we cause them the most amount of stress and we rely on them for everything. The problem here also is the public always blames the cops. But I've read many leadership books. And in almost every leadership book I have read, there's always a quote. Some The, the, the verbiage of it is different in some different books. But the, always the premise and the principle and the concept is this. There are no bad troops. There are only bad leaders. So that's the problem with the NYPD. If we have a cop out there that is writing summonses to good people that have no impact on that neighborhood, shame on who is actually in the leadership position, not making the analysis of what's going on. And that's the problem with this job is the leadership. Weak leadership leadership leads to bad policing. If there's bad cops out there, and to me that's a bad cop. You know what? We asked Jose LaSalle. What do you think is a good cop? Or what do you think is a bad cop? And I love to ask most people that. In my opinion, that's a bad cop. If you're writing summonses to people that you should be given discretion, that's a bad cop. Because your intentions are not about public safety. Your intentions are you. It's selfish. And selfishness is a bad trait. So overall, what are your thoughts on courtesy cards? I have no issue with them personally. I think that your immediate family should be identified. I do believe in discretion, whether you have a card or not. You know, I don't think that card really matters. But why shouldn't you know who my child or my wife or my mother or my father is? What, what are your overall thoughts about, about the courtesy card? Bad thing, good? I like courtesy cards. I do. I'm actually a big fan of it. I think that courtesy cards should be distributed based on selection, which I do think that common practice is already is already a culture of the New York City Police Department. No one wants to give... Uh, let, 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 me, let me retract back for that circle back. Let me not say no one, because I have grabbed some perps with illegal firearms, and they had a PBA card. I will say that. I'm not going to lie. But a majority of the cops, when they distribute a courtesy card, they give it to someone that they feel is going to handle that car responsibly. And when I say handle that car responsibly, that if they are pulled over, they have an encounter with the police, they're going to be respectful. They're going to put their hands on the wheel. To me, this when this person has this card, this, it's twofold. One, the cop is vouching for this person. Hey, this is a good person. They're going to show you respect. They're going to comply with all the rules, laws. They're going to produce all their paperwork. If you can extend your currency, please do it. And, and the other thing about it is that we're getting someone that's holding this card who's been educated on how to conduct a car stop, putting your hands on the wheel. So someone that's going to make you safer. And honestly, again, I'm going to say a bad cop because I used to, I used to, as an anti-crime sergeant, a cop, a special operations lieutenant, and you probably can agree on this. I would walk up to a car, and sometimes I would see the car hanging low. It was dirty. I would see tinted windows. I didn't even see the silhouette of the car. And the movements were mimicking stops I had of getting firearms. And that window went down, and I saw the motorist, and I could just see the eyes. And the eyes tell everything. And I knew with an eighth, eighth of a second, this was a good person. And I would tell my guys, turn around. Get back in. Let's go. I wouldn't even have a con conversation. I wouldn't even have been asked for the license. But based just in an eighth of a second, I was able to make the observation. And observation, I would say, you know what? Have a nice day. And we would get back in the car. So how is it that this person is engaging these good people and he can't make that observation for himself? That's not a good cop.
Yeah, I don't like the lawsuit. I, I do agree it should be kept in-house totally. And my other thing is, why would you want to do that job if they're making it impossible for you? Why would you want to do it? Like, why? what's the need to do that job? I don't really see it. I personally have been saying it for years. Disband that unit. I would never have it. I, I, I think they cause more problems than they're worth. And the guys that don't are doing sneaky weasel things like the other guy I told you about. Well, the other two guys I told you about. And honestly, most of their summonses are questionable too. Very questionable. Oh, no, I, I wasn't speeding. I was doing, you know, very questionable five miles over the speed limit, especially when you're not using a radar gun. You know, I, I'm very questionable stuff to me. Um, so I got no problem with the, with the, with the courtesy cards either. I have a problem with people who don't understand the difference between good people and, and perpetrators and, and, and don't understand the mission of, the, of what being a police officer is and what you should be doing while you're out there. John, you touched on it before a little bit. You were talking about the quotas and stuff, but I just want to ask you this because I think it's important. If we had a choice, if we had to have quotas or no quotas at all, do you think as a whole that the police department is better off with a quota? Or if we were to put another name on it, right, a, a, a production measurement or have no quotas at all or no productive measurement, out of the, be the better of the two evils, what, which one do you think that if you were the commissioner – what would you put in place and why? Dude, this is a whole podcast, dude. <laughs> this is hey, I know, I know. This is, uh, sum it up. But I'll sum it up as quick as I can. I wouldn't have quotas. I would take the 10% of those guys that do the work and I would reward them heavily. And the 90% that doesn't, believe me, they would wish there was a quota because it would be easier. I'm telling you right now, I would have systems in place where they would, they would be the ones processing the arrest, processing the vouchers, processing all that stuff. And it, it, would, it, would, it would incentivize people who don't want to work to want to work. Um, and I, I, I believe that I really and, – and the reason my reasoning is for that is I do believe quotas miss the mark. And, and that's when you tend – to hurt the community, you hurt people that don't deserve that arrest, that don't deserve that summons. You're not targeting who needs to be targeted. You're not chasing patterns, right? You're not chasing the, 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 what is actually happening in that precinct. You're chasing a number and it misses the mark and, and it creates a rift between the public and between and between the New York City Police Department. And honestly, you know, I, I, I've seen it firsthand, even, even myself. I remember one time, me and my partner, I believe we had, we had 14 arrests between us. We only had seven days on patrol. I think I had seven collars and he had like a 12. I don't remember something. We had some phenomenal number of arrests. And um for every one of my arrests, I did a 250, even though they weren't 250s, just because I didn't want to hear that I had zero 250s for the month, right? And he did for his arrest, even though they weren't 250s, he did 14. He tagged them to the, to the arrest, even though they, these were all observation, probable cause right when we seen them, right? And we got our asses chewed that I'm like, nobody's bringing in that amount of arrests, only like snoo teams and narco teams. And these were individual. We closed two patterns. We closed a citywide Burke pattern, citywide grind Lansony pattern. We, we just had a crazy month where we just did a lot of great work. And we got our balls broke. 
that we didn't have enough 250s. I'm like, what do you think one PP is going to say? I'm like, I, I would say that they would should probably think that we're good cops. Like, you know, that's what I was telling my sergeant. <laughs> and he's like, that's not what they're going to think. And I'm like, listen, I, I was like, we had seven days on patrol. We had we had a crazy amount of arrests. None of these collars were 250s. And we just wrote them. Like, you know, I'm like, I, I, what do I need 20 250s for? Who, how am I stopping for 20 people? And 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 if I was to be the guy to go out and be like, well, you said I got to go get it. And then I just go out and write people's names on a piece of paper. Did I fucking help anybody? Did I do anything? And that's a non-incident. Imagine that's a summons or an arrest. You're hurting good people. That's my thought. I, I love your answer. I, I I do not like quotas. I'm totally against quotas because it really it doesn't help public safety at all. And, and I can give several examples, but I want to give this one example. I would I would say so. Say for instance, you're required to write ten summonses for the month, whatever the case is. Right? The old saying was, "Hey, did you pay the rent?" So let's say the rent is ten summonses a month. So you get your 10 summonses right away. But then comes that 11th person that is driving like a maniac. Are you going to write that summons, right? Because now you might get pressure from the other guys because you're outdoing them, you're doing more. But that summons does not get written. So what I say is the problem is not quotas. The problem is bad leadership. Again, bad leadership, bad troops, because the supervisors – the weak bosses are not taking the time to actually read and do their own crime analysis to know what's going on in their command so they could properly address their cops, right? If a good, to me, a good sergeant says, okay, hey, let's, for instance, John and Eric, you guys are sector Adam. You've been working sector Adam the past month. We have a robbery pattern, robbery pattern number 4265. We have three shooting incidents. We have a burglary. How? Have you not found an arrest situation with all this crime going on? How are you helping the people? And it's not about just putting people in handcuffs to put them in jail to fit a number. But ultimately, for every person that, that we can make an arrest in that area, they it can be used as leverage. They could provide information. They get debriefed on something that could help solve that robbery pattern, that shooting, right, that burglary. That's why those arrests are important. And, but that takes good leadership to talk to their guys. And say, hey, listen, do you know what's going on in your area? Do you know Do you know the players in your area? Do you know the people? You should know not only know the players, but know the good people. Know the community people. who Know the people that will actually talk to you, right? And know how to talk to them. Obviously, you don't want to talk to them in front of people. Know how to get in touch with them. Work with your field intelligence officers. That's what a good cop is. But to have a good cop, you need good leadership. But what are these guys, it's easy for them just to say, oh, you got your 10 summonses, you got the, your 10 summonses, and they want an easy day too. So how many people in the police department are actually about self-preservation versus public safety? I think that's a great podcast for another day. We should talk about what comes first, public safety or self-preservation. I mean, that's I, I, we could probably talk about that for weeks. One thing I just want to add to you, though, and, and, you know, it, it really it just it just stands out in my head because, you know, as like a special ops guy, as a cop, I had time to 
look up to 61s, do all that stuff. I mean, I still did it on my own time. I didn't get any time for it. I still came in. But I had more time. But it was okay if I did do that for an hour in the beginning. If something happened that day, I was running late. It was okay if I did do that. You know, the patrol guys don't get any time to do that whatsoever. And it's not okay for them to do that. And the same is true for a sergeant. But when I was a young sergeant, before I started doing special operations again, I would still come in early and I would read all the 61s and I would read them out at the roll call. I would tell everybody what's going on, what patterns we had, what we were looking for, who's wanted for the day. And I'll never forget all the guys, even the guys that I thought were not good cops were like, wow, you know, thank you. And I'm like, for what? They're like, no one's ever done that before. I didn't, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know all that stuff. And I started to see patrol guys become more active. Because they had the knowledge, right? Like you gave, you, you empowered them with the knowledge. And I think that's a big part of what's missing in the NYPD is, you know, we're just slamming these guys, get out there, answer those jobs, get out there, answer those jobs. But we don't give them the actual information they need. And by giving them the information that they need, we're kind of setting them for the, the mission for that day, right? Oh, we have a burglary pattern. The average patrol cop doesn't know that. Now, should you? Yes, but I mean, you got guys, three, four kids. You, we don't know their personal life. You know, the disabled kids, sick kids, sick wife. You know, everyone has this thing. Why, why are we in, 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 in from a leadership position not giving that to our guys? And why are we not empowering them with the information that they need instead of reading some bullshit? This will be read at 16 consecutive roll calls. I never read any of that bullshit. I would just let them know what the hell's going on. And, and I did see a lot of people prosper because of that. I, I told, dude, I totally agree with that. That was a great statement. And I know that was the intentions of the neighborhood coordination officer program, but it was a total epic fail. And because of manpower, they can never actually do it with its, the intentions. And that's the intentions were is that the neighborhood coordination officers would actually work in the area and get the information to pass on to the sectors because the sectors are too busy running around, right? Getting this information and the sectors were supposed to have time off the radio so that they could actually do crime analysis and walk around and talk to the community. And then the response units were supposed to fill in, but because of manpower issues, this was a complete epic fail. The idea was actually a decent idea, but it just completely failed on its head because manpower. And again, weak leadership, not knowing actually the directives of the job and actually falling, you know, giving the directives correctly, or you get a lot of commanding officers who try to just make the command work in their own manner because they want to get more arrest or more summonses so they can show off to their own bosses. And it's about their promotion. And again, shitting on the cops. And I agree with you, good bosses out there should get that information and feed it to the cops and really be influential and lead them. John, I, I want to thank you. For our viewers out there, if you have an opportunity, John McCary put out a great tweet, all right? Not the greatest person in the world, but you know what? It's a great story. Michael Franchese, you know what? And I, I do respect the guy because he talks about his life as a mobster, and he doesn't fret and by not talking about it. He, he He's completely humble talking about how he was a, a career criminal. But what he did say, Right, John, is he talked about leadership and he talked about it even his own organization that there were supervisors that he didn't even want to follow across the street. And he actually says what a good leader is, is someone that you want to follow, 
someone that's influential. So in any organization, leadership is so important, even in the mob. So here in the police department, we're lacking leadership. John, can you just talk about that tweet real quick before we end this? I think that was a really impactful tweet you put out there. Yeah, I mean, he, he just kind of did a parallel. It was a weird thing because he's a, he's a mobster and he talked about leadership and he said he believes there's a lack of leadership in, the, in this country. And he said exactly what Eric said, that a, a good leader people want to follow. Being a boss or being a supervisor doesn't mean you're a leader. You know, and he said, I, I, I worked for plenty of guys that were my boss. I, you know, I, I had to deal with them. But I wouldn't I wouldn't follow this guy across the street, you know, <laughs> and and I, I've said it. I've said it a thousand times like this guy's an idiot. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't follow him into a store or like a million different things. And and I've heard that so much throughout the police department, because, again, we're saying 90 percent of the job shit. Right. So that holds true with in the sergeant rank that holds true in the lieutenant rank that holds true in the captain rank, deputy inspector, inspector, chief. All that. The majority of, of people suck. I mean, the majority of people aren't in this for public safety. You know, to you Long Island guys, I'm not knocking you. But there is this thing from I, I really do. I really feel like you look at the upper echelon of the PD. They all live in Long Island or they live upstate. You look at the upper echelon of all our unions. They live in Long Island. They live upstate. These guys can afford to live in New York City. I'm not saying you can. These guys can. And I've heard it said a thousand times. I don't care. I don't live here. And, and, and that's a big problem for me. Like, you're not taking ownership of your career. You're not taking ownership of, of public safety. You're in public safety for personal gain at that point. When you make that statement, when you have those thoughts, you're in this for, for personal gain. And I, I, really, I just really think you're, you're no better than a politician. You're just, you're just sitting there collecting money. You're not helping anybody. You'll say or present yourself in any way to earn money and that's just not a genuine person and I, I, I just don't I don't respect it. Outstanding. I think we I think we should wrap it up at this point. I think we really drove the point home. I want to thank our viewers out there for watching us. You can watch us on YouTube. You can subscribe free. If you like the audio, Spotify, iTunes, Apple, we're on several uh, platforms out there, whichever one you prefer. Thank you for so much for supporting us and we support you. Again, go back to some old episodes Look at the Discipline Matrix. I think it's a, a lot of valuable information. Go back. There's plenty of old episodes if you miss one. We're trying to shorten some of them so that if you don't have an opportunity. This one is a little longer, but I think there's a lot of information here, and we don't want to cut it short. Uh, so with that, I'd like to thank everyone. And, uh, John, I'll let you end it. Guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the support, even to the haters. Thank you, too. We'll be back at you.